Passionate, driven, enthusiastic, euphoric. This is who we are as entrepreneurs. But how we leverage these incredible attributes to dream and build businesses that scale and grow is what this podcast is all about. Hello, I'm attorneypreneur Josh Brown, and welcome to Franchise Euphoria. Happy 2016, everyone. Josh Brown here, and it is New Year's Eve. Going into 2016, what a great time to reflect on 2015, which was an amazing uh, year for for me, my business, my family. I hope it was for you as well. And as we go into the new year, I've been reflecting back on this podcast, my business, my life. And I've realized that being in the franchise space has just been fantastic. And I know a lot of you out there are in the process right now of deciding whether or not franchising is right for you. And I've heard from many of you and I continue to hear from a lot of you. And so one of the things that I am putting together for 2000. 16 is an actual course to help people identify what they really need to know before they buy a franchise. So if this is something that is of interest to you, if you are trying to figure out right now, are you a good fit for franchising or how do, how do I find the best opportunity um, for a particular situation or how do you avoid the most common franchise pitfalls, how to negotiate perhaps a better deal, and maybe most importantly, how to position yourself to make a smart franchise decision so that you can buy and build something that not only you're proud of, but that also is profitable along the way. All those things are uh, things I'm going to be covering in this course I'm putting together. So what I'm doing right now is, is trying to identify who is going to participate in this course. If you have any interest um, in learning more about this, what I'd love for you to do is email me directly at josh at indiefranchiselaw.com. That's josh at indie, I-N-D-Y, franchiselaw.com. And then we'll go ahead and set up a a quick phone call and I can give you more of the details about the program. So hopefully that's something that um, is of interest to you. And if it is, like I said, just go ahead and email me and uh, enjoy this great episode we have for you today. Thank you and happy new year. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Franchise Euphoria. I'm thrilled today to have on Laura Novak-Meyer. Laura is the founder of Little Nest Portraits, a franchise of luxury Boutique Photography Studios. She got the idea for Little Nest back in 2009 when the recession hit. At the time, Laura was working as an independent upscale photographer, and suddenly some of her regular clients couldn't work together that year. So Laura pivoted, seeing a gap in the portrait market. Families with children who wanted high-quality portraits had only two options, mass-market chain studios that prized volume over ambiance or extremely expensive custom photo sessions. Laura filled that gap with little Nest portraits. After duplicating her success in a second market, Laura started to look into franchising. She's just opened her first franchise location and is on track to open two more early in 2016. Hello, Laura, and welcome to the show. 
Hello. Thank you so much for that wonderful welcome. I really appreciate it. Well, thrilled to have you. I love having, as I call them, franchise entrepreneurs on the show, people who've been out there, built something, replicated it, and now giving franchise, franchising a go uh, in terms of a growth strategy. I'm curious, obviously, we gave a little bit of the background, but um, tell us how you got uh, interested in photography and did it start as sort of a hobby and turn into a business or what was your start with, with photography? I have both a fine arts and a and a business degree, which is very unusual. I think sometimes when people speak to me about business and then they see my photography, they, they think, wait a second, I thought you were a business person and vice versa. So I, I really have always been somebody who enjoys both organizational development and process as well as the fine arts. And so when I was in college, I was photographing weddings just for fun. And this was years and years ago. I'm nowhere near having graduated from college now today. <laughs> and, um, but I, it was really enjoyable. I love being part of people's most intimate moments in their lives and giving them the gift of being able to freeze time. And so after college, I worked actually in business consulting for two years. And I didn't want my boss's job and I didn't want my boss's boss's job. And I thought, you know what, if I ever had a family, this is definitely not going to work. So I, I really became an entrepreneur at the young, naive age of 23 uh, and started my own wedding photography business. And throughout the 20s, my 20s grew my photography expertise and really became an expert in my industry and became known as somebody who had excelled in the industry. Uh, and so that that process of really deeply understanding the product and the customer is very important. It's very important to where I am today, where I can empathize with anybody else in the organization whose main responsibility is to provide excellence within the photography space or provide an amazing guest experience for our customers. Well, see, I love that because you have learned from doing, right? You just dove mm-hmm. right into one of your passions. And it, it is unique that coming from the fine arts and the business background, a lot of times people obviously who have that interest just have the interest in the, in the art side of it. Um, but when you can marry the two, Together, that's that's obviously a winning formula um, <clears throat> for a business. I'm sure it's been doubly interesting um, as part of your journey, just the the changing landscape of photography and getting into the digital world and uh, where, where almost everybody thinks of themselves as a photographer. How, how, how did that impact what you were doing? It, it, I don't know it to be any different because that has been the trend over the last 15 years. So I have always embraced the idea that technology is changing and I consider ourselves fundamentally most a service company and a technology company. There's still space for people who want really high quality photos and are willing to pay for them, but it has to make sense for them, right? So it can't be in a uh, in a style or in a presentation that was popular 10 years ago. So it's really important to keep up with the trends. I'm at a point now where I'm starting to understand more about that millennial mom and who she is and what she wants. And quite honestly, she'd pay $500 to have great images to Instagram with. She will. So as long as the value proposition is there. So we're really, we're understanding as, as the marketplace is changing and the trends are changing, what the needs of the customers are. But there's still, there's always been, and I do not believe this will ever go out of style. There's always been, and will continue to be a percentage of people who want to pay to have quiet quality photos taken of their family and want to be in the photos with their children instead of the one behind the camera and want some level of service with it. I mean, you probably know of people, and I do too, and myself, have a gazillion photos on your phone. What are you doing with those photos? Do you know how 
to create beautiful product with those photos. There's still that service element that differentiates us within the marketplace. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, to your point, I think your, your type of services are, are more in need today than ever, even though there's, there's more people who are obviously taking pictures and the, and the quality off of the off of iPhones or any kind of phone that you're using uh, is phenomenal. I mean, I have thousands of pictures on my phone. I know my wife and I were talking about the other day and we have thousands of pictures on our, on our computer. And it's just, it's it, quite frankly, it's overwhelming yes. um, to deal with it. And then 99% of them are terrible. Or they might have, have, have served a purpose in that moment, but aren't really milestone quality is probably what the way I would describe it. So your baby's first birthday, the first few weeks in which your baby is born, uh, th- when your child's leaving the home to go to college, when your child loses his or her first tooth, when you just look around your home and you realize you don't have a lot of photos with everybody in it. Those moments deserve to be captured in a high quality way. And then there's going to be those other moments. So you're on vacation or there's you know, a, a holiday, it's Christmas time that you and I are speaking right now. And maybe there's an event, holiday event near your area that, that you just doesn't really matter if the photos are good quality or not. You really just want to capture that memory. And that's, what's great about the phone. Yeah, absolutely. And well, so tell me this, I mean, franchising, as we all know, is all about the business model, the underlying yeah. model. Um, how, I'm curious how you fine tuned your model. Maybe you can tell us a little bit of, of your time through your twenties in which you were just getting this going. And I'm sure as in with all businesses, um, you know, you, you throw a lot of things up against the wall, you see what sticks, you got to pivot, you got to make, you got to maneuver, you got to, you got to switch some things. Um, all of that I'm, I'm sure was the case, uh, with your business as well. I'm curious how you went from there into the franchise model and sort of what things maybe you used to do that that you're not now doing um, in an effort to just fine tune the model. Sure. I mean, if you had told me in my 20s that in my late 30s, I'd be franchising my business model, I would have laughed at you, bought you a drink and told you I had a bridge to sell you. <laughs> I mean, this was definitely not the plan. Um, it, it, but over time, I realized that franchising was just, wasn't just about fast food. It was about uh, upscale fitness concepts. It was about upscale fashion concepts. There was a lot of women-focused brands out there that were doing really, really well. So when we thought about how we could grow and scale, and over the years, taking what I knew about the industry and how to service the high-end client in a scalable way took me years to deconstruct. It was something that kind of came natural to me as an independent photographer to put that into systems and processes and online training and certification programs as we have in place now. What took me years, it was really challenging because it was something I just intuitively did. It was like, you know, could you write out how to get into your car and drive? No, you just do it. And to a certain extent, that was my, uh, my MO as an independent photographer. And then just, again, trying to p- deconstruct what made that successful took me a long time. Now, did you work through, did you work with outside consultants to help you fine tune your model or did you just do it through the school of hard knocks of uh, trial and error? Yeah, school hard knocks, you know, like go like opening a studio and rolling out a training program and then realizing that maybe a piece was missing or that this particular aspect of the system wasn't going well or getting through three or four point of sale systems until we have the right one that automates customer touch points in a way that feels really personal to the guest. Um, and then opening another studio and having everybody go through online training and just seeing if I can train people that way and figuring out what was missing and then retraining them and having workshops in place that provide continuing education. We do open critiques once a month with our photographers who have gone through certification programs, and those are online. We do those through GoToMeeting. 
and to provide that ongoing support and continuously to uh, con- continuing education to uh, challenge the photographers. So this is all School of Hard Knocks. I don't know. I don't know if a consultant could have helped us with that. We do have a franchise consultant that we love and helps with the mechanics of being a franchisor. But I think to a certain extent, it is important for franchisors to not franchise too early. Because if I had franchised five years ago when I saw, oh, we're making money at this, but maybe those aspects of the business were not completely figured out yet, I think we would have been doing our franchisees a disservice. So having a couple of company-owned locations where we've rolled things out remotely as if we were supporting them, not necessarily them being company-owned locations, I think was very important. And um, one of our company-owned locations is about 45 minutes from my house, and I have two very young children. So to so that has really forced me to figure out how I can support my locations remotely. And uh, it's really been a great transition into franchising, which was originally my original intention was just to be able to see my kids at night, you know, um, or not get phone calls all throughout the weekend. Well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, most of the time when um, I speak with with new franchisors, um, it's it's very rare that uh, the entrepreneur who created the franchise, you as an example, um, you know, thought of franchising initially. Very few people do. Usually it's somebody comes and says, hey, is this franchised? Are you going to franchise? And then that sort of piques the interest or it's some other event um, that piques the interest. But I think it's really smart what you did. And I see a lot of times people franchising their business way too early. I mean, it's very rare that if you're in the type of business where you actually have a, whether it's a retail location or a physical type location, um, it's it's very rare that you should franchise until you have at least two locations up and going Agreed. Um, at the same time. So I'm curious. So Little Nest Portraits, I know we've given a little bit of background of that business. Maybe you can take us through just a little bit more and explain exactly what the model is, what the model is, um, uh, what you do and the type of franchisees that, that you're looking for. Absolutely. So it's an upscale children's portrait and family offering. We have two product lines. One's a, a little bit of a lower service product line. One's a higher service product line. And it it is really designed to meet the needs of the mother who wants convenience and accessibility and beautiful portraits of her children without blowing the budget and not necessarily going into a, a mall store that might not necessarily meet her aesthetic needs. So that's the market where we sit in. We tend to be superior in terms of quality and guest experience to what's out there. But in terms of pricing, we tend to be in the upper middle market rate. So are these and, actual physical locations that people are going into or where, what's the, where's the actual business located? Yeah, they're 2,000 square foot studios and very upscale locations. So uh, our two company on locations really show the two different models. One is in a uh, what they call an open air a lifestyle center, which is just a high-end strip mall. Yeah. And it's, a, yeah, right. We're next to a gap. We're in with a Whole Foods. We're in with actually another um, a, a franchisee opened up of a Scout and Molly's, which is a, a, another really great women-focused uh, growing franchise. You may have heard of them. They're in with us, Banana, um, uh, Banana Republic. Um, really great national and local businesses are in that center. That's probably our more likely type of location. And then we're in a very high-end downtown in the Philadelphia suburbs in Wayne, Pennsylvania, near Villanova University. And so those two locations are about 2,000 square feet. They service the client from beginning to end and per- are designed to provide that boutique experience that you might 
might run into at a high-end spa, for example. So, so is the market that the people are coming to you, obviously you're in a high, um, a foot trafficked, uh, trafficked area. Um, do you still go out? I mean, as part of, as part of the option, would you go out and do a wedding and do other sorts of things? Or is it predominantly people coming in to your, to your physical location? So it's no event photography. It's only family and children photography. So we do not photograph events. Um, that's not our niche. Our niche is absolutely that family and children offering. And we will go to people's homes or we will go on location, but that's more of our premium priced offering. Our standard offering is in studio and we style our studio as if you're in a magazine set. It doesn't look like you're in a photo studio. Really? Yeah. So there's like antique doors leaning up against the wall. There's um, hand-painted wallpaper. There's We have a live wall in one of our locations that's getting installed. It's so like a, a wall with all green um, greens coming out of it, um, like live plants. That's cool. Stuff. Yeah, that you can be photographed in front of. So it's really again, designed where you walk in, you'd be like, oh my gosh, is this, is this a pottery barn set? You know, like that's what we want people to feel like when they walk in. So it's very cool studio environment. So we don't have that many objections from people coming into the studio. People like it. It's part of the experience. Not everybody's home is great to be photographed in. Um, so we find that people coming to us just guarantees that we're going to get that right background and the right lighting for them. Well, see, I love that. I mean, we just had we just had family pictures not that long ago, and and I was thinking to myself when the photographer came out, and this particular person came out to our house and did a great job. But then you're stuck with the environment you're in, and so I mean, granted, there's a creative element to that, right? You know, you gotta you gotta work with what with what you're given. But in 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 your model, um, you take that guesswork out of it. You know, you yes. so that everybody's going to get a high quality session as opposed to trying to make something work where it may not otherwise. Yeah. I mean, even a, even a beautiful million dollar home might be dark in the inside. It might have a lot of dark stonework or it might be an older home. And so that might not make the best location. When you see the photos, maybe the lighting wasn't that great or the background was kind of dreary, not not because it's not a beautiful location, but that's just the way it transpired in photographs. So we really are able to control the product quality by doing mostly in studio. I'll also say that in-home in home sessions are great for certain ages, but not all ages. The benefit of the studio is that there are four walls. So if you have a very busy toddler who only wants to you know, show you his room, that can be a little distracting. <laughs> they really can't go anywhere, which is nice. But we do offer on location and on home. Um, it's within our top level of certification of photographers. We have three, level, uh, three levels of photography certification. And people can pay a premium to have a photographer come out to their home. But for the most part, that in-studio look is what makes us different. It's, it is what differentiates us because most photographers don't have a space like that. Yeah. And that the aesthetic is what we're known for, that bright background, that cheery, mod, uh, modern, cheerful, modern aesthetic. It, it trends in the areas that we're in. And then are you constantly updating the backgrounds? Constantly. Okay. We're con we, we installed like a cork wall. Um, a couple months ago, we're constantly changing it up. And, and that becomes our differentiator is that look and feel. 
So tell me about these certifications. I know you've mentioned it a couple of times. Are these certifications that you're certifying the franchisees at different levels or are these certifications? What, what are the certifications that you so We talked a little bit about our ideal franchisee and our ideal franchisee is actually not a photographer. Our ideal franchisee is somebody with a sales, retail, marketing background. Even we've got, we've, um, uh, our first franchisee came from corporate finance, uh, but loves creativity, loves photography, loves merchandising, but we are not training the franchisee to photograph in the, in the studio. We're training the franchisee to run the business. Aha. Okay. Yes. Good distinction. Really good distinction there. Yes. Yeah. We, do, I don't recommend it. I don't know how you could run a business if your majority of your time was spent in, in the photography room, it would be almost impossible. So we, um, we provide certifications online and assignments and critiques and technical assessments that are submitted to us for certification th remotely. And the franchisees' employees go through those certification programs. So much like a Goddard might have a business owner that owns a Goddard, Goddard then certifies their teachers. And so you, you do have to be careful of that joint employer line. I'm sure that's what's probably going through the back of your mind right now as an attorney. Uh, but because it's very black and white in terms of the technical skills we're providing the photographer, they can go through our training programs without a problem. No, I think that's really interesting. I think that's a smart way to do it. And yes, that's exactly what Goddard does. Um, and, and I'm curious with your, with your franchisees, I mean, how do you help them or how do you, um, how do they go about finding um, the good employees? Because obviously in this business, you're looking for somebody who has a photography background as an employee, not as a franchisee, correct? Yeah. So they fill out a as part of the interview process, they fill out a technical assessment, a technical quiz that they have to submit with their portfolio. But I'm sure this is not going to shock you, but there are a lot of really talented artists out there that can't run a business. Yeah. So those are great employees. <laughs> they come in, they do a great job. They're very talented. They follow the process and then somebody else sells for them and somebody else uh, sells the product and somebody else services the product. And their main responsibility is being a really, really good photographer. And so those people, there's a lot of them, a lot sort of a shocking amount of them for every open position, because we pay very competitively and we recommend paying very competitively. Sure. You just get the best talent and when you get the best talent. You put them through our certification programs and they start photographing. They take the technical skills they come in with, which we like to see our photographers have formal training in photography. And we put them through our training programs so that they get our look and feel right. And it really is a, a beautiful outcome as far as the creative process. We don't, um, as part of our certification programs, we don't exert a ton of creative control in the photography room. So for example, if you go into Sears, there's probably a light stand that doesn't move, a background that doesn't move, and the photographer doesn't move. We don't train that way. We do ask that the photographer provide strong creative and technical judgment throughout the photo session, which makes it more of an artistic product. But finding that talent to do that, we find to be uh, surprisingly easy. Um, so, but the person who can run the business, it's not as easy to find somebody with a management background. So typically what we're finding our franchisees is somebody with a management background, retail background. They don't, they want a better lifestyle. They want to shut down at five or six o'clock at night instead of midnight if they're in retail and they love families, love children and have a passion for photography, maybe just as a hobby or they have an interest in it, or they just love it. Uh, because the franchisee is still going to be responsible for product selection and merchandising and displays. And those are really 
fun activities for somebody who has a passion for photography. But that management piece, that the financial controls, the KPIs, that's all something that we really we want to see them come in with an understanding of. We don't want to teach somebody how to read a PL. No, 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 that's great. And it sounds like, you know, your process is very organic and and obviously you're 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 getting in and you are in uh, to the to the franchise space. I'm curious um, in terms of your growth plans. Are you looking to grow uh, sort of in and around the Philadelphia region, or 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 even even beyond that? But you're going to start in that region. We were really growing into the New York region first, which is sort of interesting. Okay. So our first location opened up in Montclair, New Jersey, which is so exciting to see us outside of New York City. I think it's absolutely where we should be. We are getting great inquiries from major markets. We're only really talking to people at this point east of the Mississippi. So we're looking to open. We may open two, and there's a third that may sign pretty soon that would give us three spring opens of 2016, and then we would open as many as five in late 2016, and then potentially open 10 to 15 more in 2017. So it's really, I'm sure again, you've spoken to so many franchisors and had experience for yourself that there is that line between you want to grow because the franchisees need to benefit from brand recognition and economies of scale, but you don't want to grow so fast that they that you can't support them. So it's finding well, that. I like to say, look, not to interrupt, I like to say there's 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 franchise graveyards filled with franchisors that have expanded way too fast. Way too fast. If you look across the board, if you look across all franchising, which as we know, you know, is goes across the entire economy, the vast majority of franchisors that are successful for the long term uh, imply the apply the slow and grow, uh, yeah. slow grow growth model. Where just like what you're saying, so I think that's a really really smart thing that you're doing because too often, and I see this in litigation and other and other I'm avenues sure. where people just they try to grow as fast as possible, and then what happens is the tweaks that you need to make along the way get exacerbated by the number of franchisees that you have, and if you don't have the right team in place, you don't have the right support in place, and you can't identify those things as you grow slowly, then you have a lot of really ticked off people yep. and, and the whole thing can implode on you. Yeah. Oh, I can't even imagine, but I can absolutely positively see that. And you meet some of those franchisors that are just like, go, go, go. And you just think, oh my God. Gosh, that sounds so stressful. <laughs> but I think that, you know, and again, I have kids at home. I mean, I have balance needs too. So it is that balance of of making sure that our franchisees are are part of something that's moving so that they're not just hanging out there, you know, with a brand that's not recognizable in their area, right? But then also making sure that we can make those tweaks, that we have the support system for them. And opening up two company-owned locations in six years was a very, very happy with that. Yeah, I could have easily opened up a couple more company-owned locations, but I really didn't want to grow until I felt like we had that foundation right. And now, and, and duplicating in two different locations, which would prove to me that we had it right. So that that needed to happen for my own integrity's sake. But I think that really comes down to the motivation of the franchisor, right? Those grow, grow, grow fast people are really, they tend to be a little bit more, I'm going to win. I'm here to take over the world. It's about me. It's right? really the it's really the investor models. What that I mean, exactly. that you have to have to grow that fast. I mean, there are businesses that will they'll try to open up two hundred locations, but though they're they're usually owned by um, 
equity firms. Yeah. And, and so that that's a very different model from what you're doing from the type of people that I typically work with, where it's not that case. I mean, in that case, they have a lot of capital to work with, and there's a lot of pressure uh, to show a return on that capital as quickly as possible. Whereas what you're doing is um, you're trying to build something slowly over time, and you're as you're building it out, you're creating more and more and more of the foundation from which you can build. And so it's very, very two totally different processes. For sure. Totally different. And also my motivation is very much to see other people be successful. That's what it's come down to for me. Yes. I could have two company-owned locations and do very well and be done growing, right? But I'm growing because it helps the people in my organization have a career path, have more uh, to to move towards. Motivated people need to know what the growth opportunities are. And it's because what I've done in my local market in the Philadelphia area and what we've done as a team has benefited so many people and given so many people a great job. I'd love to, it would be a miss to not see that happen in other markets. No, so it's very That's great. That, that motivation. Yeah. No, that's great. I kind of have internal. <laughs> no, that's okay. The um before we go, I, I've got to ask you because I get I, I get asked about this a lot, and I talk to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs about this before they get into franchising. That once you turn your business into a franchise, your role as the entrepreneur significantly changes. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious how that was for you, and what would, that experience was like. I mean, slightly shocking, but I think that you, <laughs> you know, I, I moved from an independent photographer to a retail CEO. And now I'm a franchise retail CEO and the skill set is different each time. And I think at first I thought, oh my gosh, this industry, like what, wow, what I get myself into? Because you're looking around and you're realizing that it is really, the franchising world is really an industry. But as I've grown in it, I'm just, there's so much joy in seeing our first franchisee be so happy and see her employees so happy. That is really what I'm finding is my my primary job is to make sure that we keep that moving and we stay fresh and that I'm my one of my most important roles is creative director and just keeping that machine going. I have somebody who runs franchise operations for our, our studios and, and for our franchisees, and she's amazing. And it's my primary job is, is to continue to innovate. So it really wasn't that far away from where I originally started. It's just all of the mechanics, like I said, of being a franchisor sort of surprised me at first. Um, but it's just a distribution strategy, franchising is. I've, I've sort of realized that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then as you, you know, as you get bigger and bigger, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's your mindset gets, gets more and more away from, from the one to two operations or three operations. And now you're, you obviously are thinking more globally and thinking, um, uh, in terms of your growth and everything like that, which is a, which is, um, Similar, but also a very different way of thinking about a company because people, we, we all know entrepreneurs get so wrapped up into their businesses. We all do. Yes. Um, and so it's hard sometimes to get yourself out of the weeds and, yep. and just stay in that, in that, in that broader picture. Um, but well, listen, Laura, this has been really, really fascinating. Um, I'm really pleased to, uh, to meet you over this interview and, and, um, I think what you're doing is is really in, really really interesting. It seems like you're off to a great start. Where is a what's the best place for people to get a hold of you? Either if they're interested in in the services, maybe interested as potential franchisees, or just interested to speak with you. Yeah, well, th- and I just want to say too this. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to speak with you. I can tell you totally get it. And I'm, I'm sorry, I already have a franchise attorney or else I'd be calling you up. So maybe anyone else out there that doesn't have one, I, I think you're a great place to start. So my uh, website is 
Little Nest Photo, L-I-T-T-L-E-N-E-S-T, photo.com. And if you're interested in owning a studio, there's an Own a Studio link at the top of the page. Well, fantastic. Thanks again, Laura. And I am confident we will certainly stay in touch. Thank you. Likewise. Hopefully this was helpful for you today. If you are in the market for a franchise, I would highly encourage you to check out my free ebook, which is what to know before you buy a franchise. You can head over to my website at Indy, that's I-N-D-Y franchiselaw.com and download it there for free. And um, let me know what you think. If you're enjoying this podcast, if you're enjoying the value that you're getting from this podcast, I'd also invite you to go to iTunes and uh, provide me with a rating and review. It always helps uh, for visibility on the podcast. So thank you so much for your support and uh, hope this episode was helpful to you. Thanks for being with us today on the Franchise Euphoria podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to go to iTunes and provide a review. Also, please remember that although Josh Brown is a licensed and practicing attorney, nothing contained in this podcast should be construed as legal advice, because it is not. The information contained in this podcast is general and educational in nature, and none of it should be relied upon as legal advice. That being said, if you have questions for Josh and would like to contact him, please email him at josh at franchiseeuphoria.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you tune in to our next weekly episode. Music